Monday, April 15th, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together every single weekday, and we discuss the world of sports with a dose of common sense. We'd rather just laugh at the sports world whenever we get that chance, and we get that chance quite a bit. Hey, happy Monday to you, and don't forget that today in the United States, it is National Tax Day. Uh-oh, I hope you took care of that. In the United States, National Tax Day is a term for the day on which individual income tax returns are due to our federal government. Tax Day can also refer to April 15th for state tax returns as well. The federal income tax filing deadline is midnight tonight, April 15th, and that is due every single year, unless, of course, you have an extension or unless it falls on a Sunday or unless it falls on a holiday. You know, income tax was actually first collected in the United States back in 1862, and they did it to fund the Civil War. But it was deemed unconstitutional due to not being apportioned with conformity across all of the states, so they got rid of it. But the United States, once again, reenacted income tax with the 16th Amendment back in 1913, and it has been in place ever since. And I'll tell you this right now, it's not going anywhere. Hopefully, as you listen to this, you've already filed your taxes, you've already gotten that stuff finished, you're not having to rush to the post office tonight at 1145 and stand in line and hope you get that thing filed. Because if you're doing that, I don't know, like we're just hoping for the best. We're hoping that you get there in time that you're not going to get into any sort of trouble. And no, you cannot deduct, I don't know, your dog or your cat on your taxes. Can't do that. And no, you can't deduct that one, let's just say special friend that you basically support as a dependent. Good try, but they're not going to let you get away with that either. But you know, I know that we all hate tax day here in the USA. It's a pain. And I think a lot of us feel like, man, we pay a lot in taxes. It gets old. And we have no say where any of that money goes. That's the most frustrating part. I'll pay the money in taxes as long as I know you're spending it wisely. But I know how the government spends it. And it is not spent wisely in any way whatsoever. That, I think, is my biggest problem with tax day. I know we all hate tax day. Like I said, it's a pain in the neck. But as Americans, I think it is actually a day that we can bond together on something. You know, right now here in the USA, we are all so divided. We complain about everything. We argue about everything. And it's mostly just because we're bored. We don't have anything else to do. So we complain at each other for every single take, for every single thing that we deem as mistreatment from someone else. We complain about everything. We're all just fighting and poking at each other just constantly here in America right now. And I realize that some people are going to look at tax day as a chance to complain about how others make more money than they do, or others don't pay as much taxes as they do, and I understand all that. But really, shouldn't today, April 15th, National Tax Day, be a day that brings us all together? Shouldn't it be a day that we all join together in our collective hatred of the Internal Revenue Service? I think we can agree on that, can't we? Let's all unite together. We all hate them equally. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show and maybe tell us your most creative tax deduction you've ever taken, we promise we won't tell anyone, but we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or head over to Facebook or Twitter and find us over there. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. Feel free to reach out to us. It doesn't have to be about tax day, but maybe you've got a question. 
Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe you have a suggestion for us here at The Dose. Feel free to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Also, you should make sure you stop by tpublic.com where we have a number of Daily Dose items over there that you can purchase. We do have our standard Daily Dose logo gear over there, but you can also get our Daily Dose iTeam gear over there as well. If you want to look like the Daily Dose iTeam as they are out in the field doing sometimes very hazardous work, make sure you stop by tpublic.com. They've got t-shirts, they've got sweatshirts, they've got hoodies, a number of Daily Dose items that you can pick up, so make sure you stop by there. Hey, today on the show, like we do on many Mondays, we are going to be recapping what we learned from the weekend in sports. Hey, it was a busy weekend in sports. We saw the NBA playoffs get going this weekend. There are some really interesting storylines coming out of that, but that is not where we saw the biggest sports story of the weekend. Because let's go ahead and jump in. The biggest thing we learned this past weekend, and honestly, most of us did not think it was possible, is that Eldrick Tiger Woods was in fact capable of winning another major golf championship, giving him his 15th in his career. Here is a clip of that final hole, courtesy of CBS Sports. Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. You know, we talked last week about the Virginia Cavaliers having the ultimate comeback when they won the national championship after being the first number one seed in history to be upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But wow, this comeback by Tiger, yeah, it's probably bigger than that. What an amazing comeback for Woods. And you know, forget the marriage stuff. Forget the DUI stuff. Forget the drinking and the womanizing. Forget that stuff. As big as that stuff was, forget all that. Set that aside for a minute and think about what he has done physically and mentally to be able to compete at the level that he is now competing at. Tiger has fought elbow and knee and back and leg injuries that were so severe. We were looking at Tiger Woods just a couple years ago and saying, I don't even know if he can play anymore. Forget competing. Forget winning. Forget being on the leaderboard. Forget making cuts. Oh, he's never going to do those things, let alone win. Are you kidding me? Tiger's not going to win anything. Somehow he has done it. And you know, I had heard as recently as just last week, Tiger Woods was not 100% healthy going into the Masters because he had an ankle injury and they weren't sure if he's going to be at full strength even this past weekend. But after starting a little rough with a 70 on Thursday, Tiger rebounded on Friday with a 68. He was even better on Saturday with a 67. And on Sunday, it wasn't that Tiger was great. It wasn't like he was his old self, but he was solid. He was steady while so many of his counterparts were faltering and missing shots and hitting the ball into the water and into the woods and not staying on the fairway. Tiger was just steady and he was just grinding. No, he wasn't so imposing physically like he had been in the past. He just grinded out hole after hole. Tiger shoots another 70 on Sunday. He wins the 2019 Masters by a single stroke. It was his first major win since 2008 at the U.S. Open and his first Masters win since 2005. And you know, the great thing about the win for Tiger Woods on Sunday was that you saw the determination. You saw the focus. But then following the win, we saw something completely different. We saw the emotion from Tiger that I don't know that we've ever seen in the past. You know, in his prime, 
Tiger Woods was one of the most amazing players in the history of the sport. But he did kind of operate like a robot, right? Dude sounded like a speak and spell in his interviews. And then we saw his fall. We saw his human side. We saw his failures. But in the Masters this weekend, we saw the great play. We saw him grinding. We saw him be human in his first win. And you can now see Tiger Woods has an appreciation for this game, for his win, for his family, for the crowd that is cheering him on and chanting his name harder than probably any player we have seen them support in history. We are seeing a different Tiger Woods than we saw when he was back in his prime. But what he did this weekend in Augusta, it is every bit as impressive as anything he's ever done. We witness history on Sunday. And congratulations to Tiger Woods for all that it took physically, mentally, emotionally for him to get back in a position to win. Yeah, Tiger Woods just had one of the greatest comebacks of all time in sports. Hopefully, you were lucky enough to watch that and witness it this weekend. Hey, coming back, we still have a ton to get to today. The NBA playoffs saw some upsets, we saw some hirings, we saw some firings, and we just might have a new NBA rivalry. Plus, a Major League Baseball manager is pushing for a new rule change. Yeah, I'm not sure I buy his sincerity. And New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady just had an NFL rule change go against him. Uh-oh, I can hear the Boston media screaming already. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, whether it's for yourself, maybe you have birthdays coming up, maybe you have holidays coming up, just remember you might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. April's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Showdown. When the time for talking is over and there are scores to be settled, these pop culture heavy hitters are always ready for a showdown. Hey, join us as we celebrate iconic battles with epic gear. April's Loot Crate theme features items from Captain Marvel, Aquaman, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But remember, if none of those franchises interest you, you can always go over to Loot Crate. You can choose from a selection of crates. You can get a monthly subscription of crates that'll arrive in your mailbox every month. Or you can just go over there and order individual items. And remember, they have a ton of things in any franchise that you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, make sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose. So let's continue with what we learned from the weekend in sports. And let's shift over to the NBA. And before we get to those NBA playoffs, which we are going to talk about in just a few minutes, we learned that the Los Angeles Lakers are trying to move forward from that bombshell last week that was dropped on them when Magic Johnson abruptly resigned as president of basketball operations. I don't know if anyone over at the Lakers organization was prepared for that, but I mean, you do got to regroup and you do got to get started moving forward. On Saturday, the Lakers went ahead and, let's just put this in quotation marks, mutually parted ways with head coach Luke Walton. Now, if you're not sure what that means, I'll explain that to you. Luke Walton can say he didn't get fired. And the Lakers will not pay him his full buyout. And both of you can go your own separate ways. Now the Lakers are saying they are interested in former Cleveland Cavaliers head coach Tyron Lue, who we know LeBron James will approve of. They're also saying they have interest in Miami Heat assistant Juwan Howard, which is kind of interesting. And also former Philadelphia 76ers assistant Monty Williams. 
and we know Jason Kidd is still lurking out there somewhere as well. They are saying that general manager Rob Palinka is now leading the search for the Lakers, which might explain why Jawan Howard is getting a look since he and Palinka were teammates back at Michigan. Because I haven't heard Jawan Howard on everyone's list, but apparently the Lakers have an interest in him. Not a coincidence. But at the end of the day, doesn't LeBron James have to sign off on whoever they're going to get? And that could be a problem for the Lakers when it comes to getting other free agents. I know you want to keep LeBron happy. I know you're looking at him as the cornerstone of your franchise. But other free agents are going to know, hey, LeBron James is running the show out there. I mean, he had to sign off on a head coach before they would even hire the guy. Why would I want to go there and have to take the role of like being one of the Supremes? I'd rather go be Diana Ross somewhere else. So we'll see where the Lakers end up going with their head coaching hire. But Luke Walton is no longer the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And along those same lines, we also learned that Luke Walton was not out of work for very long. And as a result, we just might have a new rivalry forming out in California. And it's really weird to think about this. Because just hours after the Los Angeles Lakers announced they were moving on from Luke Walton, the Sacramento Kings swooped in and grabbed him. They announced they were hiring Luke Walton to a brand new deal. Now, Walton was 98 and 148 in his three seasons as head coach of the Lakers. And of course, we know this last season in Los Angeles ended in a brutal way. It was frustrating. It was disappointing. The Lakers finished with a 37 and 45 record in a season that many people were starting to look at and saying, hey, this might be a playoff team. Hey, this might be a team that could push the Golden State Warriors. Now, hopefully you weren't listening to any of that nonsense, but there were a number of people out there that were. So we know Luke Walton didn't finish things with the Lakers the way that he wanted to. But Sacramento Kings general manager Vlade Divac fired Kings coach Dave Yager last week, which was a little bit surprising because Sacramento had finished with a 39-43 and record this season. That's actually the most wins that franchise has had since back in 2006. But apparently, their front office wants more. And Luke Walton, say whatever you want about the guy, he has had some success coaching some young guys. So they are looking at him and saying, hey, we have some young talent. Maybe Luke Walton can be a guy that could come in here and work with our young kids and help them compete for a playoff spot in the Western Conference. But can't you just see like a little bit of a rivalry forming here between the Kings and the Lakers? I mean, they're both in California. They're both in the West. They're in the same division. And I mean, the Kings do have some good young players. You got De'Aaron Fox. He's one of the fastest guys in the NBA. You got Marvin Bagley, who has showed a lot of promise as a rookie. And you have Buddy Heald, a guy that can go out and manufacture some points. I mean, honestly, if you looked at the Kings and the Lakers right now, which way would you be leaning? I'd be saying the Kings are probably in better shape. The Lakers are still a mess. And we don't know who they're going to hire as a head coach. Might be kind of fun to keep an eye on the Lakers and the Kings going forward. But yes, we did also have some NBA playoff games this weekend. And I think one of the biggest things that we learned was that as much as we talk about it every single year, when we are talking about these seven game series in the NBA, people are always going to overreact to game one like it's the end of the series. We did see some pretty big upsets. The number seven Orlando Magic shot the lights out from three-point range. They hit 48% of their three-pointers on Saturday. And once again, 
Kyle Lowry was a no-show for the Toronto Raptors. He went 0 for 7, and he scored the same number of points in Game 1 that I scored in Game 1. The number 7 seed Orlando Magic knock off the number 2 seed Toronto Raptors 104-101 to in Game 1. That wasn't it. The number 6 Brooklyn Nets didn't just upset the number 3 Philadelphia 76ers. They dominated the Sixers on the road. They won easily, 111 to 102. And that game actually wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. And that wasn't the end of the bad news for Philadelphia. Because not only did they pull a complete no-show, they actually got booed after the first quarter by their hometown fans. But then it gets a little bit worse. Amir Johnson was busted for showing Philadelphia 76ers all-star teammate Joel Embiid his cell phone on the bench late in that game one loss to the Nets, which of course leads to a fine from the team and you have to make an apology to everyone. Johnson was caught by TV cameras sitting on the bench scrolling through his phone late in the fourth quarter with the Sixers down 16 in their eventual loss. And he showed Joel Embiid something on the phone and then slid it into the pocket of his warmups. Now, the NBA operations manual bans the use of cell phones on the bench during the games. The rulebook under the use of technology section says violations will result in substantial fines and possibly suspensions. Now, I know we all look at this and we all say, come on, they are saying dude was checking on his sickly daughter. But I do think it kind of shows that Philadelphia is a little bit distracted. I'm not saying you're not concerned about your family or whatever he says he was doing. But the fact that you're looking at a cell phone, you probably didn't have 100% of your focus on the game. Philadelphia might have some issues to sort out. And then over on the western side, the number seven San Antonio Spurs came to Denver and beat the number two seeded Denver Nuggets 101-96 as they got a lot of balanced play from their starters. And then they hold Denver to shooting just 21% from three-point range. The Nuggets went six of 28 from three-point land. Yeah, tough to win when you shoot that much and you barely make any of them. So now we are already hearing all the experts. We are already hearing all of the talking heads, all of the people in sports media telling us, hey, these series are probably over. I know it's a seven-game series, but you can see in game one, we already know which way these series are going to go. The Raptors are going to be gone, the Sixers are going to be gone, and the Nuggets are going to be gone. Well, maybe, but there are still possibly six games left in each of these series, right? Yes, Toronto got beat at home, but again, you got nothing whatsoever from Kyle Lowry, and the Orlando Magic did shoot the lights out. I have a feeling those two things might change at some point in this series, don't you think? I mean, wouldn't you think Kyle Lowry, he's not a garbage player. I know he's taking a lot of heat right now, and I understand it. You're a complete no-show in game one. But don't you think he's going to come out with a chip on his shoulder and play a little bit better? Don't you think Orlando Magic is probably going to shoot a little more normally, a little closer to what they usually do than just hitting almost 50% from outside the arc? I have a feeling that's going to balance out. And then the Toronto Raptors shot just 9 of 14 at the free throw line. I bet they shoot more free throws in game two. And I bet they make more than 64% when they do. I think Toronto is probably going to battle back in this series. Moving on to Philadelphia. Yes, the 76ers were awful on Saturday. And the Brooklyn Nets 
absolutely brought their A game. They looked really, really strong. But I would bet Philadelphia was pretty humiliated in that game. And they probably are going to raise their level of focus just a little bit for game two. Oh, and don't forget, Philadelphia went three of 25 from three-point range. Yeah, I bet that goes up. The San Antonio Spurs got double-digit scoring from five different players on Saturday night in their win over Denver in game one. But for as good as they looked, and they did look good, do not forget that somehow, as bad as Denver looked, and as horrible as Denver looked, playing at home in their first playoff game in the last six years, with nine seconds left, the Denver Nuggets had a chance to win the game. Jamal Murray has a wide open shot from the elbow, probably a 10-11 footer that rims out. Otherwise, the Denver Nuggets take the lead in a game that saw San Antonio dominate from beginning to end. Somehow at the end, the Nuggets were still there. They could have still won that. Now, maybe the Denver Nuggets have no business being the number two seed in the West, and that is totally possible. Or maybe in all three of these series, we're going to see some things balance out over the next few games. I know it is easy to overreact to game one, but they are seven game series. They will change. They will evolve. They are not over. And usually they could change drastically after game one. But never forget the most telling game in a seven game series. It's not game one. It's not game two. It's usually game five. By game five, you have an idea how this series is going to go. We still have a ways to go before we get to game five. We need a little more patience when we look at these NBA playoff games. Shifting over to Major League Baseball, we did learn that Chicago Cubs manager Joe Madden wants to see a major change in the rules of the game. No, he doesn't want the speed of the game changed. God knows baseball's not going to do that. He doesn't want to see a salary cap installed. Of course, that's never going to happen. Or my personal suggestion, he doesn't want to see us just have home run derby instead of actual games. No, Joe Madden wants to see some power taken away from major league umpires. Kind of interesting, isn't it? The check swing call in baseball has always been one of the most difficult for umpires to make. And after a late Chicago Cubs rally over the weekend was thwarted on a strike three check swing call on Kyle Schwarber, Chicago manager Joe Madden suggested maybe the umpires shouldn't be making that call. Here's what Madden had to say. You see the check swing where the hands don't move. To me, that's not a swing. It's what you do with the barrel of the bat. Everybody's worried about an electronic strike zone. I want an electronic method to control a check swing. Now, runners were on second and third base when Schwarber was called out by third base umpire Gabe Morales to end Chicago's 6-5 loss to the Los Angeles Angels. And Schwarber immediately fired that batting helmet into the turf, charged at Morales, who threw him out of the game immediately. Now, I am fine with the suggestion from Joe Madden. Because of the angles that the umpires on the field are at, hey, they don't have a great angle to see these check swings. The guy at first and third, it's their best angle, but they're looking from a long ways away. So I understand what Joe Madden is saying, but please tell me that Joe Madden has been saying this prior to Saturday, not just because he lost the game on a check swing call. Like he's been calling for this in the past, hasn't he? Because if that's all this is, then he doesn't really care about fixing anything. He's just mad that he lost. If we have some documentation that Madden's been saying, hey, I've been telling you this all along. We've got to put a camera on this so the ump can go to the camera and see if it was a check swing or not. Because these guys are a long ways away. They don't have a great angle. Please tell me 
This isn't the first time Joe Madden is saying this, because if he is, then I'm a little bit less likely to believe he really cares that much about it. He's mostly just mad he lost the game. And by the way, Major League Baseball never adapts to change anyways, so Joe Madden can say this all he wants, MLB isn't doing anything, they don't enforce any rules, they don't change rules, they're still playing with the same rules they started with back around the Civil War, so Madden can say it, I'm not sure I'd buy it. We didn't talk about this at all on Friday in our weekend preview, quite frankly, because I don't care about watching any of them, but a number of the big five college football programs did have their annual spring games over the weekend. And we learned that we have a chance to see some pretty good quarterback play this next year in college football. Now, I hate to even bring this up because honestly, uh, it just kind of makes me want the season to get her already. And we have a long way to go before that happens. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about some of the quarterback talent we're going to be seeing this fall. The Oklahoma Sooners have Alabama transfer Jalen Hurts, who on Saturday was 11 of 14 passing. He had 174 yards and he rushed for a touchdown. Not bad. And don't forget, Alabama is still going to be in pretty good shape because Tua Tagovailoa no longer has Hurts breathing down his neck. Tagovailoa on Saturday went 19 of 23. He had 172 yards. He had two touchdowns. Florida's Felipe Franks, who I have not been a big buyer of, He was very impressive on Saturday. He went 13 of 18. He had 327 yards. He had four touchdowns. Michigan's Dylan McCaffrey. Yes, another McCaffrey. He looked pretty solid in their spring game. So did Ohio State's Justin Fields, who you might remember, he just transferred to Ohio State from Georgia. He's going to be fun to watch this year. Notre Dame's Ian Book threw two touchdowns in the time that he got on the field on Saturday. And I know that these are just scrimmages. And I know you're just playing against your teammates and that kind of thing. But we should have some really fun quarterbacks to watch this fall. And don't forget, we haven't even talked about guys like, you know, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert at Oregon, Jake Fromm is back at Georgia. Hey, I know it's a long ways off and I don't want to think about it too much yet, but it should be a really, really fun year of college football in 2019. We have some very fun quarterbacks to watch. And those are just the big names you know people are going to sneak up on us. You know there's a number of programs out there replacing a guy that had been the starter. We don't even know those guys yet. College football has a lot of flaws. And yes, college football is going to be fun to watch in 2019. Finally, we learned that while New England Patriots owner Bob Kraft has had his lawyers pushing to not have that video shown of his visit to that Jupiter, Florida massage parlor. So we'll see where that all goes. And while I want justice as much as anyone, Please don't make us watch that video. No one needs to see that video. If you want to show it to a judge or something, that's up to you. But no one wants to see that. I don't want to see that old man. Ugh, disgusting. I don't even want to think about that. Let's just change the subject. But that's not actually what went against the Patriots this weekend. No, we have a different rule. Actually win against the New England Patriots this weekend. The NFL and the NFL Players Association have added 11 helmets to their joint list of approved equipment for 2019. And they have also eliminated a grace period for other helmet models that have fallen short in laboratory testing. Now, by the end of last season, 32 players were wearing helmets that are now banned, including New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. Yes, each team's equipment manager has been instructed to remove those banned helmets, which are listed on a poster distributed to all teams on Friday. If a team is found 
to have known about a player wearing a banned helmet or to have facilitated the use of a banned helmet, it will be subject to league discipline. The NFL and NFLPA have been testing helmets since 2015 and they have agreed for the first time last year to prohibit helmet models that were not performing as well as others. Six were banned immediately and four other models, including the one used by Tom Brady, were allowed to be worn for one more year, but now that is done. Yes, folks, Tom Brady is going to have to get a new lid this fall, but here is the question. Will that really happen? I seem to remember the New England Patriots having some trouble in the past keeping their equipment managers in check. So hey, let's all just wait and see if in a few months we aren't hearing some new thing about helmet gate and how the equipment managers were just acting on their own and smuggling an old helmet into Tom Brady's locker because we know if that happens, the Patriots are once again going to be screaming about why are you singling us out? We're just trying to follow the rules as best we can, but the NFL just picks on us every single year. Hey, don't say you didn't know. You heard it here first on the Daily Dose. Helmet Gate could be coming very, very soon in the NFL. Hey, tomorrow on the show, we will, of course, be bringing you the latest and greatest sports news, but we are going to have a friend stopping by the show. He is going to be helping us recap March Madness. We're going to be looking at the NBA playoffs. We might even talk a little Major League Baseball, and the NFL Draft is coming quickly, so you're going to have to make sure that you tune into the Daily Dose every day this week. Hey, I have to say thank you all so much for listening to the Daily Dose on your Monday. For all of you that share the show, thank you so much. We can't do this without you telling a friend, telling a coworker, telling a family member, hey, you got to check out this podcast. We appreciate that so much. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Monday.